Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are ready for another episode, and uh, I'm joined today not only by a new guest, but we're going to dig into a topic we haven't spent a lot of time on here in the podcast, that is copywriting. We'll get to that in a second, but Jessica Jordana is with me. Jessica, or Jess, as you said you prefer. <laughs> Jess, thanks for making time to hang out with us today. Of course, I'm excited. Well, and, and I am too, actually. I, I kind of geek out on this topic. I am not, I don't, just to be very, very clear, I don't have a background in copywriting. That's not what I studied in college. It's something I've kind of learned a bit about over the years, but I think our industry needs some more attention in this realm. And so that's part of why I'm excited about this today, but I'm just interested in the topic in general. So we're going to get to that topic and more specifically, not just simply copywriting, but more specifically using copy to actually convert the clients that we want to convert. And uh, so we're going to get into the details, the weeds, if you will, of that topic in a little bit. But let's start as we normally do with something that we call our brand position and more or more specifically your brand position. What is your <laughs> business's brand position, the, the unique value proposition that your business brings to the market and industry? Yep. I love that you asked this question, by the way, because it's very important. But at JessXO, we help business owners connect, convert, and really clone their dream people with their message. So that's like the words um, on your website, email marketing, all of that kind of stuff. But we really focus on the connection part, on digging deep and helping to shine a light on the you that positions you not just as someone to work with, but as the only one that your people want to work with. Oh, okay. Well, first of all, props to you for summing that up very succinctly, very briefly, <laughs> concisely, because um, that's something that in and of itself, we could probably spend a whole episode talking about the, the tendency oh, gosh, that yes. photographers have to kind of over communicate. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the simplicity of uh, the way that you describe that is really important for those of you listening in. If you're if you're thinking about your brand, mm -hmm. do remember that you should be able to share what your brand stands for, what it represents, and not just what what represents. You're not just going to say, "Hey, I'm a wedding photographer, or I'm a portrait photographer," but what specifically in that realm do you offer to your market that's unique, that's different from the other businesses around you. Mm -hmm. That's really, really important. And being able to state that in just a few seconds, because we all have short attention spans, also really, really important. And of course, we'll give you an opportunity just to, to share a little bit more about your business here in just a little bit. Talk to us a little bit about what you've learned as a business owner so far. Uh, I love to also ask this question about the first piece of advice that you would share, in this case with photographers, but with a fellow entrepreneur, if you just had a few seconds to do so. I actually share this all the time. And that's just to start before you're ready. I think we all 
feel like we have to have the perfect website. We have to have the perfect brand, the perfect editing aesthetic or whatever it is in order to even get started. But that's just not the case. And that will usually keep you in the perfectionism zone instead of the action zone. So I just a little bit of background on my business. I started, I transitioned from high school teaching to copywriting and I fully booked out my business in the first week with no website. So a lot of people feel like they just have to have that website perfectly up and running before they can even book any clients. And I would urge you to start before that because that's really going to train you, like we talked about before, to be able to talk about what you do. I think a lot of times we fall back on our websites as a crutch and we aren't able to really talk about it ourselves well. So I think that would be my best piece of advice. Well, and I have to ask, I mean, this begs the question, how did you book or fully book up a list of clients without mm-hmm. a website? Was it was it just kind of word of mouth through Facebook? You're saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to start offering the service. What did it look like? Yep. It looked like word of mouth through Instagram. So I really was in the creative community for years before I started my business. So I had developed relationships with people. And I think that's a good way to start before you're ready. Even just like solidifying those relationships with people that you feel like you would want to work with. For sure. Um, So then by the time that I said, hey, I'm doing this, it was like, oh, yeah, duh, she's doing that. I want to do that. So or I want to be her first client or whatever. So I think really like starting to talk about it and seed that relationship with people before you really have those things in place is important. Oh, I love that. And and naturally, if we jump before we're ready to fly, there is a tendency for for us to very quickly build those wings, right? Versus us oh, sitting in sure. the comfort zone of and and that that angst really of as you described the perfectionism, which of course is a bit mm-hmm. ironic because we're never going to get to that place, which means that we'll never right. get started and then we just end up in this really terrible cycle. So this is really really great advice. Great start mm-hmm. to our conversation. Talk to us about free time too. And I know you're married, so um, not mm-hmm. only do you need some some space, if you will, mental, emotional, physical space for yourself outside of work, but also for your significant other, uh, Presley, by the way, really cool name. And yep. <laughs> how do you go about creating time and space for, your, for you, for Presley, uh, for your relationship, and just for life outside of work? Mm-hmm. Again, I love this question because that is something that I'm really working on right now. I think that as entrepreneurs and business owners, sometimes the business is the thing that comes the most easily to us. And it's easy to get kind of bogged down in tunnel vision of like, oh, I can just do this all the time and make progress and all of that. So I think free time is necessary to carve out. I operate from the ideology of Parkinson's law. So it says that work expands to fill the time that is available. So Brooke Castillo phrases this as something that you have to do takes as long as it takes. And so if you give something 45 minutes, it can take 45 minutes. If you give it three hours, it will take three hours. So I really try to, during my work days, set a timer, not even just like time tracking, but actually setting a countdown timer of like, I have this long to complete this. And if I need to push through and power through 10 more minutes or whatever I can, but typically it takes as long as I assign for it to take. And so that really helps with creating those boundaries because you have those hard boundaries of, okay, when this timer goes off, I'm going to go 
take my dog on a walk or take my husband on a walk or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Do you use a a particular timer or do you use the Pomodoro technique or is it just like the timer in in the clock app on your phone? No, completely the clock app on my phone. Okay. Keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. And I like that though. And and what is the segment of time that you normally set it for? Does it depend on the task? Yep. I usually do 45 minutes because I feel like an hour feels a little bit too long for me to be like super entrenched in something. But if I'm doing like super deep work, like writing for a client website or something, I'll do 90 minutes just so I can have a longer stretch of time. But I rarely do more than 90 minutes for anything before I take some kind of significant break. Smart. I like it. Yeah. Short segments of time that I tend to work mm-hmm. best in that too. And then if you set that goal for yourself, it naturally pushes you to get the thing done. And then on the other side of it, I mean, this is like total first world conversation, but then the other mm-hmm. side of it, like setting a little mini reward, whether that's, as you said, getting up and going for a walk or, yeah. um, you know, for me, like if I put a, a chunk of time in, in my work day, then I might go take a ride on the motorcycle. In fact, I'm likely going to do so later on today after I get some more stuff done Mm -hmm. just to kind of break up the day a little bit because I ultimately enjoy what I do, but I also know that I will bring a little bit more intensity, maybe a little bit more creativity, uh, et cetera, if I kind of break up the workday as opposed to just working all the way through and just sitting there kind of stagnant. Mm -hmm. So I like this piece of advice. Talk to us about business or self-help book that's made a really big impact in your life, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have three. Is that okay? Of course. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. So I'm kind of a book junkie because I was an English teacher and an English major. So Shauna Nyquist is an author that has forever changed my life. And she doesn't necessarily write business books, but she writes books that have philosophies that can definitely apply to business and life and kind of balancing the two. And just the way that she uses words to see and cherish the world has brought me into the business that I do now. I just love the way that she uses words in that way. For business and life combined, I would say Deep Work by Cal Newport, which have you read that one? You know, I haven't yet. I think it may even be in my book list and I just haven't read it yet. But I've I've heard of it. In fact, uh, I think it was Rich Smith, a good friend of ours who also okay. takes part in the Boca podcast occasionally, um, mm-hmm. has recommended this book. And, and apparently it's, it's lovely. Yeah, it's really good. And it's kind of like one of those ones that you read a little bit and you're like, dang it, I don't want to read this book. Like, <laughs> This is going to be super challenging. Yeah. So it's definitely one of those, but it is really valuable. I think in our like very bite-sized time period world of where we're like 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, that doesn't propel us into innovation or creating something new and better and different. And Mm. so he really talks about that and I love it. And then my third one would be The Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz. Have you read anything by him? No, I haven't. He is hysterical. Like he's so funny, but he really gives good meat of business stuff, but it's peppered in with humor, which I really love. And the pumpkin plan is all about how to grow a really big pumpkin in reference to your business. So really like weeding out everything else in order to focus on one thing in your business. So I think it's really valuable, especially for photographers. I think sometimes it's easy to feel like you have to shoot all the things or just be a photographer in general, but he really talks about how to hone in on that unique value proposition. So that is a total winner in my book. 
Yeah, we need it. And I understand the tendency to want to to kind of get any and all business, especially when you're first mm-hmm. launching a business. It totally makes sense. But as busy uh, and as crowded and as noisy as our photography industry is right now, I think in many ways, especially for those who are at least starting a new business, an existing business has been around, established brand, established name. I can understand how there might be more exceptions, but a mm-hmm. new business coming into a crowded market, if you don't niche down, you're going to put yourself in a pretty tough place trying to be seen and to be heard. And ultimately, even marketing, it makes marketing so much easier when you when you specialize. Yeah. So that's good. We'll link to these. Uh, the first author that you mentioned, it, any particular book that she has written that you really love? Um, my favorite is Bread and Wine. It's okay. one of her older books, but she does kind of like an essay style and then has a recipe at the end of each chapter. So oh, it's cool. really an interesting kind of book to kind of have for entertainment purposes. So. Oh, that's great. Okay. So we'll link to all of these in the show notes. For those of you who normally listen in, you know, if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, You'll see the show notes. For those of you who are not regular listeners, take advantage because it is such a wealth of information, talking points from the episodes, links to resources that we discuss, including these books we just mentioned. So take advantage, bocapodcast.com. Let's just jump right into our conversation for today. And by the way, I I have a lot of respect for your communication style, a very calm and collected And you you. (laughs) say what needs to be said, but then you're done. This is something that I need to work on a little bit more. I tend to say a few too many words when it comes to conversation. So I'm, I'm working on this, but talk to, let's just get into the main topic and talk to me a little bit about, uh, well, let's start with your Instagram profile actually, because Mm -hmm. it says, I help creatives turn passionate mumblings into words people actually get. And I, and I love this, but it's a great way to start this conversation. What does it mean? Yeah. So the business owners that I work with, and I'm sure the photographers that you come into contact with are never, ever short on passion. So that is a great thing, but I find that they're often short on clarity because they have a lot of these kind of things inside of them that they get really excited about, or they just love kind of the aesthetic art of things or whatever, but they don't know how to turn that into words that communicate what their people actually need or want. And so um, it's really hard to expand your passion or actually get paid for it if you can't connect that to your people in words that they actually get. So I usually do that through a combination of research of your audience and research of you and combining that into something that makes them feel like you get them and that you're there for them. So I think that is kind of the difficulty of starting a business in the creative world is you're so creative and so passionate, but you got into that business because you love that business, not because you love writing words about that business. Well, and and we maybe kind of then overcompensate too for Mm -hmm. not not being quite sure how to effectively communicate it, what it is that we're so, uh, as you say, passionate about. And so what that then ends up in is that we do kind of go on and on and on and on. What is, mm-hmm. maybe let's start first with an example. Do you, does an example or two come to mind, maybe when you've seen photographers' websites of things that they'll say that are words in the, quote, outside world that, that people might not be able to relate to? Authentic is a hard one ah. because... I mean, that could go in so many different directions and it's very 
overused. So a lot of people want authentic couples or they provide authentic photography, but <laughs> that means di- different things to different people. Yeah. And I, the reason I laugh here is, is kind of like the yeah. word passionate. That word is authentic is thrown around so much in our industry these days, almost to the extent really mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. laughable. So that's also something yes. to think about, not just the fact that it has, it can be very arbitrary and ultimately subjective in its meaning, but it, we don't want it all throw around the same words. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just looks like we're copying and pasting. Yep, for sure. And another word is I hear photographers all the time say, I want to photograph joyful couples, or that's like in their unique value proposition. Mm. But I had two clients this past winter who one was a photographer who really did like legit adventure photography. Like they go climb mountains in their wedding dresses and stuff like that. And then there was another photographer who really photographed couples who had a ton of fun with their family and like really had strong relationships. And so all of the reception photos were really fun and all of that kind of stuff. But those are two different kinds of joy. And so you really have to paint that picture of like, okay, you want joyful couples, but like, what does that mean necessarily? What does that look like for the people that you really are dying to work with? Yeah. Specificity is important. I like the the phrase that you use, paint that picture get specific. And of course, having the help of someone such as yourself who Mm -hmm. actually knows how to put these words together to communicate that or paint that picture is helpful. You also mentioned something interesting, which is you referred to photographing joyful couples as a value proposition. The the thing about this, and, and I'll go back to the brand position topic for just a second again, is that photographing, because a lot of photographers do say a phrase comparable to that, or or they may even say, we like to photograph adventurous couples. That's not actually a unique value proposition. For those of you listening, and it's not a unique value proposition, if the thing that you're saying you offer is the same thing that anybody else, like who who doesn't want to photograph a happy couple, right? Right. It'd be like saying, I offer good customer service. Well, yeah, but who doesn't, or who doesn't at least try to? That's that's almost kind of default at this point. So you've got to go way beyond that. And specificity, to your point, Jess, really is important and creating that distinction. Mm-hmm. That tendency that, that photographers have, besides, well, ultimately trying to fumble around to effectively communicate what it is that they are passionate about or what their brand is about, are there any other reasons you think that they're saying too many words uh, or ultimately saying too little with too many words? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times there's a tendency to explain your style, to explain the, what your experience is like, the experience of working with you, um, to explain your complete and total background, like all of that kind of stuff all dumped into a word document almost, and then like copied and pasted into your website. But I think that the challenge is to think from your dream person's perspective and think, would they want to, would they value the experience more or would they value my style more? I know a lot of couples don't really value the style, but they want to really have fun with their photographer. Some couples might want their wedding to be in an editorial or something. So you have to think about like, what do they value most and what do they need to see in order for them to be hooked? And then you can kind of pepper in that other information gradually, but you have to earn it in order for them to keep reading. So you really have to make sure that they are grabbed from the second that they land on your website. Yeah. So there, again, it goes to understanding how that ideal client even communicates. It's so big because it is one thing like we can communicate with less words, but then if we're not 
effectively communicating with less words to that ideal client, then we're in trouble, right? We're not necessarily attracting the right potential client. What is the biggest difference between the two? I mean, communicating clearly versus communicating clearly to our ideal client. Yeah, I think so. I really had to learn this lesson whenever I was teaching high school. So I was a high school English teacher. I taught high school seniors, um, which is like the worst group in the world to teach because they're like, peace out. I'm done. I know I have a year (laughs) left, but I don't want to learn anything, which is like the majority. I mean, not all of them are that way, but there's a certain amount of like pushing and pulling that you have to do when they're in their senior year. So I went into teaching thinking that I was a great communicator and I could explain things, but I couldn't explain things in the context that they needed it in Uh. order to remember. So when you're talking about like brain function and how we psychologically function, your brain needs what we call hooks and pegs to hang information on. So your hooks and your pegs are your past experience your current experience, what you value. It's all of the context that's Mm. in your brain of what matters to you. So if you have a piece of information, like I take photos, in order for them to remember that, you have to hang it on something that they care about. And so that really taught me a lot about voice and personality. So I had to get it. Like my high schoolers would live and die on a hill about chicken like which chicken place was the best, all of that kind of stuff. So if I could teach a lesson using the different chicken places that there were to go, then they would remember that more because it's hanging on a hook or a peg in their brain. And same thing, I couldn't teach a lesson to somebody who valued college about like something that's going to help you do well in college the same way that I taught it to somebody who didn't value college because I would have to rethink reframe that lesson for something that they valued so that they could still get that information and use it. So I think that is probably the biggest difference between just communicating and then communicating to who you actually want to book for your business. And and I know this is a loaded question, but how do yep. you at least begin to go about finding out what those hooks are mm-hmm. for, a, for a target client? I mean, I would venture that you'd have to, first of all, we talked about specificity in, in the uh, copy that we're writing for the sake mm-hmm. of drawing in the right client, but we're going to have to, even going back a step further, we have to go back to the brand and being really, really specific about the service that we're offering so that we know who we might even potentially attract. And now we have to go searching for the behavioral tendencies, I would assume, of that particular target client and learn how they communicate or what, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we just use Instagram as an example, say I'm assuming that most photographers have Instagram, which is why we're using this example, sure. but say you have somebody that you're following, that's maybe like a potential bride or something. She just got engaged and she's like the right style. I feel like you could be best friends, all of that kind of stuff. So on her Instagram story, she might be like, you know how you can share an Instagram post to your stories. Yeah. So those, a lot of those things that are getting shared right now are those like quotes, like just the words on a white square, Mm. basically. Yes. And so that's going to show you kind of like what she's relating to, because if you click share, that means like you're resonating with it or you're relating to it so that you can kind of like make note of those things. But I also really love a good DM conversation. So if somebody, 
somebody responds to a post that you write or says like, oh my gosh, I love this picture. It's totally my style or something. Sending them a DM, not in a slimy way of being like, I'm doing research for my brand. Please help me out kind of thing. But just like genuinely conversing with them on just going deeper with who they are and what their life looks like is going to tell you a lot about those hooks and pegs. It's going to tell you about what they care about. Hmm. Even the classic like ideal client profile stuff of like where they shop or all of that kind of stuff, like hanging information on a target hook or peg is probably going to get 99% of millennial women. So I think that is like the kind of seemingly surface level things are going to be those hooks and pegs and then also those values and stuff like that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure that those conversations could, I mean, that the potential conversations that could be had in that case are vast and it wouldn't be very difficult to reach out to even, even if it was just friends or family that might be in that age range or in that Mm -hmm. target uh, client or potential client base and begin to have conversations with them and begin to see patterns in the key words that are being used or topics that are being used, maybe even behavioral patterns, and then playing off those, that might be a really great idea. Okay, cool. So let's just make yeah. it really, really practical then for our listeners. And and to be clear, I would I would be the first person to say, go hire Jess to do your <laughs> website copy. But I also know that we need to, to give our listeners some practical takeaways from this. So will you give us just a few specific ways that our listeners can write or tweak the copy on their website to better attract the client that they desire? Yep. So the first thing that I would say, it's kind of the easiest thing to do is go through each and every page on your website and think, um, I call it an action audit. So think about what action do you want your visitor to take on this page? And is that clear? So I think a lot of times, like we talked about, we just dump information on a page, but the goal is for engagement and action. And in order for that to happen, we have to tell them what to do and kind of take them through that journey. So if your page has like nine exit points where they could click a button or schedule an appointment or whatever, then your visitor is going to get very confused about what they should do first. Mm. And they're going to maybe close tab and just go back to whatever they were doing before. So I like to do an action audit. And then if I realize that they're are too many actions on a page or none at all. I like to set a page goal. So in the best case scenario, what would I want to happen at the end of this page if my visitor is interested or if I'm doing my job right? Um, And then make all of your copy work toward that single page goal. What are your thoughts about this? You're saying this, and I'm thinking about our website at Photographers Edit right now. Our homepage just has so much. And we've, we've, ended up kind of moving in that direction, ironically, from an extremely minimalist approach, because what we found Mm -hmm. is that the the people coming to our websites were not getting the information. We were putting it in different places. They weren't seeing it there. So we decided to move it to the homepage. We're doing work on SEO. I mean, there's all these reasonings for it. But ultimately, what we now have as a page that, for me personally, is is just way too crowded. I literally have on my to-do list to chat with our head of digital marketing tomorrow morning during our meeting about how we can simplify things down. But the flip mm-hmm. side of that conversation is, A, we have, we've seen massive benefit on the SEO side. Two, 
I know that there is a tendency for people in today's culture to tend to scroll, right? They get to a website, mm-hmm. they scroll, they learn about this thing, then they want to go to the next thing, and you give them as much information as you possibly can. So how do you balance those tendencies and the reality, the benefit of SEO with also mm-hmm. not confusing them with too much? Yep, that's a great question. So that actually gets into my second tip. Okay. And that is for your homepage because homepages are like the beast of all beasts for writing copy. Like I have a very big challenge writing them a lot of times because like you said, we offer so many things. So the goal of your homepage is to get them off of it. So once they huh. come to your homepage, you tell them quickly your unique value proposition, what you do, how you do it differently in order to grab their attention. And then you have like, say you have three different potential visitors. You have three different buttons that say like, are you a photographer? Go here. Looking for editing? Go here. Want to be on the Boca podcast? Go here. So that then you can have those separate pages that are speaking to them directly. And that's a lot easier to write. Wow. That's, I mean, that's as straightforward as you can get. Okay. So start with an action <laughs> audit, uh, yep. make sure that there even is a, a call to action. Cause that, that's something that I don't know that you always find on photographers website, but mm-hmm. be clear about the call to action, make sure that there aren't too many, and then ultimately set as a goal. Secondly, to get them off of that page. So set, set a yep. clear call to action specific to a particular behavior, depending on what you want them to do or, or, or the type of, of uh, client or potential client coming to your site. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what's another one? The third tip that I have is really to view your website copy as a conversation. So we keep coming back to like the dump of information. I think it's an important shift to think of your website as something that needs to capture attention, not provide information. So if you're thinking about sitting down to coffee with somebody, you're not just going to like say, I have a master's in this. When I was 10 years old, I picked up a camera. I blah, 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 blah. You're not just going to like word vomit all over them, you're going to kind of let them interject. So the way that you mirror that interjection of the person that you're sitting down to coffee with is you bring them back into that. So you bring them into your story by saying like, have you ever felt this way? Or asking them a question, really tying it back to a value that they have or things like that. So that you're not just telling a story, you're bringing them into the story and helping them see themselves on the page. I think that is the biggest thing that I see a mistake with, especially with photographers' websites, because I think it's easy just to think like, okay, I need to show all of my pictures and give prices. Like that's the bare minimum of what I need to have on my website, but you really need to create that relationship with people starting with your website. So I think that's a good way to kind of reframe your mind around that. So it goes back to making sure that you offer a clear value proposition via that, that hook and peg that you were talking about earlier. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Correct. And, and I like this, I wrote this down, capture attention, not provide information. Obviously, you have to provide information ultimately, but the focus, right. at least on the homepage maybe, uh, are, you, are you suggesting is on that capturing the attention? Yeah, and I think in general, just the, I mean, I call it like the hierarchy of your page, but like understanding what goes first, you need to capture that attention first okay. with something that they want or need before you provide that information. So even on a services page, I kind of like to do a little sort of summary that kind of hits their pain points and 
shows them that solution and then go into the pricing. Because ultimately, once you show people the value, pricing becomes secondary to them Mm. wanting to really work with you. So if you can set that stage first, then the pricing is an easier sell. Oh, I like that. Okay. So instead of capture attention, not provide information, it's more capture attention than provide information. The focus initially is on capturing their attention and then route them to what they're looking for. Yep. That's good. Oh, this is really good. And by the way, thank you for this because I'm going to take this stuff to my meeting tomorrow morning (laughs) uh, with Haley, who is listening in. Haley also produces the podcast, but this is, this is really good stuff. I really appreciate this, Jess. And as I said earlier, I want to kind of push people in your direction. So if you will share where everybody can find you, your website, social media, how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So on Instagram, I'm Jess Jordana. Um, And then my website is www.jessicajordana.com. My newsletter, people get all the goods. So if you want to go to my website, you can sign up for my freebie and be able to either uncover your brand voice or um, you can partake in my client goggles exercise, which allows you to look at your website from the view of your dream client to make sure that that attention is being captured and all of that kind of stuff. So I have both of those available on my website. Um, And then you'll get into the newsletter where you get all the goods. The client goggles. That's kind of cool too. Okay. This is good stuff. We're going to link to all of this in the show notes, bokehpodcast.com. And uh, everybody listening in, go take advantage, go check out what Jess has to offer and uh, go dial in the copy on your website. I think we could all stand to to do some of that. Thanks so much for making time for this today, Jess. This has been really, really wonderful. Of course. And I'm so grateful to be able to chat with you. And like I said, I love a good DM. So if anybody wants to pop into my DMs on Instagram, I love that. (laughs) Awesome. Will do. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>